welcome to the good old days of radio show. This is John Chefteller, your host. We are rolling through a great radio show from the late 40s, which also aired in the 30s as well. I Love a Mystery. We are hearing uh, two episodes today. We heard the first two chapters kind of run together, but the first two chapters of The Thing That Cried in the Night, we heard those last time. And this time we have the next two chapters. It's a total of 15, so this is going to go on for a little bit. The shows today are from November 2nd and November 3rd, 1949, and we're going to run them together. Since the original openings and closings on some of these are kind of choppy, it doesn't make any sense to pause between the two because they're already set up as if you're just going on with the series. So it's the adventures of Jack, Doc, and Reggie, with Reggie being played by uh, legendary actor Tony Randall, Jim Bowles as Doc Long, and Russell Thorson as um, Jack Packard. So back to uh, Hollywood, California, back to the Martin mansion whatever it is and uh, faith hope and charity the three daughters here is i love a mystery now then mr packard we'll go into the library mrs martin will you tell me why you sent doc and reggie back up to our quarters i'm taking you into the library to meet my granddaughters and what's that got to do with doc and reggie my dear man you don't know my granddaughters what's that no. When there are too many eligible men about, it's difficult to get them to concentrate on anything else. Man crazy, huh? Keep a civil tongue in your head. <laughs> you suggested it. I can say what I please about my granddaughters. You can't. I see. Be sure you do. The Martin girls can do no wrong. What you were telling me a few moments ago, you were having granddaughter trouble. I am. Well, isn't it going to be a little difficult for us to discuss the trouble if I've got to assume the attitude they're above reproach? I'll do the criticizing. Your job is to correct the trouble in this house without comment. Aren't you being a little high-handed, Mrs. Martin? You're questioning me. I certainly am. First, you practically kidnapped me and my two partners. You didn't have to come if you didn't choose. How did you know we were arriving by plane at Burbank this evening? Read it in the paper. But did you stop to consider that we might have had plans of our own? They weren't important. You mean they weren't important to you? I'm afraid you're a woman who's used to having her own way. I'm afraid I am. Well, you go right ahead and have it. Well, I think Doc and Reggie and I'll be on our way. Fiddlesticks. What's that? You're staying right here. Against our will? Nonsense. You're staying here because you're needed. You're asking us to stay? I'm ordering you to stay. Now then, I'll say goodbye. Don't be a fool, Jack Packard. We don't take orders. You walk out of the house because I order you to stay instead of ask you to stay. That's right. You'll be well paid for obeying my orders. Keep your money. As a matter of fact, our one purpose in coming to Hollywood was to spend our reward money from the last job. It would melt faster down here than any place we could think of. You don't recognize authority, and you have no use for money. That's right. You're difficult young men to handle. Not at all. We enjoy doing favors. The House of Martin does not accept favors. Well, that's up to you. For generations, we've been able to pay for anything we want. In my opinion, then, the Martins have wanted few of the good things in this world. Bah! Well, there we are. We can't agree, so we'll go. No. Yes. No, wait a minute. Well? I don't like it. I'm not used to asking people to do things. But I will. I'm asking you to stay and help me, Mr. Packard. Please? 
What's that? You didn't say please. How dare you? Don't if you don't want to. Young whippersnapper. <laughs> Mr. Packard, will you please stay and help me? Gladly. In fact, we'd already made up our minds to stay. I think you've got an interesting problem here. Hmm. What do you know about the problem here? Nothing. But it's apparent there's something. It's in the atmosphere. Something, might I say, something creeping through this house. Creeping? Creeping? A creeping, unhealthy menace. What are you talking about? I don't know. You don't suppose it would be the stench of a decaying family tree that's permeating the environment, do you? Oh, such utter nonsense. We spent enough time. Come along in the library and meet my granddaughters. Very well. Decayed family tree, indeed. Only a suggestion. Uncalled for. Come on in. Yes. Now then, Faye, where is Hope? Oh, Grandmother, whoever keeps track of our beautiful Hope? Hmm. Well, someone should. I hate to be the one assigned to the job. I told her to be in the library at eight. Grandma, I know where she is. Cherry, shut up. Faye, please, you're a Martin, and that Martin women are always ladies. Oh, horse feathers. The Martin women are always ladies. Now then, Cherry, where is Hope? She sneaked out with the chauffeur again. You little rat. Hey. Well, she is. I am not. Hope should leave the chauffeur alone, and you know it. Well, that man will get his walking papers tonight. <laughs> Let's see. That'll make the fourth chauffeur to get his bounce in three months. We'll not discuss the subject any further. Mr. Packard. Yes? This is my oldest granddaughter, Faith Martin. Sure. We met before. Yes, I think I've had the pleasure. What's that? Miss Martin was in the car that met us at the airport tonight. You were? Why? I just wanted to get first look at your private detectives. I don't particularly like that term, private detectives. Well, isn't that what you are? Three flatties in plain clothes to keep an eye on the Martin girl. That will be enough of that, Faith Martin. And, uh, look, Packard. Grandma's the only one who can get away with Faith. Make it Faye or don't talk to me. I remember. All right, you've had the center of the floor long enough. You know Charity Martin already. Not Charity, Grandma, please. Cherry. Miss Cherry Martin. Any bad results from your fall downstairs? Oh, don't tell me Cherry fell downstairs again. I didn't fall. I didn't. <laughs> I was pushed from behind. And when you looked around, there wasn't anyone there. How can you look around when you're falling? Faye, let your sister alone. If she keeps falling down the stairs much more, we can make a tumbler out of her and put her in the circus. Faye. <laughs> okay, why not? Miss Martin... You better call me Faye. There are too many Miss Martins around this joint. Very well, Faye, then. You don't seem to take your sister's convictions that someone is trying to kill her very seriously. Oh, Cherry's just got a persecution complex. I have not. Sure you have. You're always talking about them being after you. They want to kill you. They. What's that but a persecution set up? Perhaps. But how do you account for the marks of physical violence? That's not in the mind. <sighs> You've got me, pal, but... If there's anybody in this house chasing Cherry with malice aforethought, then I'm a flagpole sitter. Faye, I find the vulgarity of your language exceedingly distasteful. <laughs> Poor Grandma. She's tried so hard to make ladies of us all. And what did she get? <laughs> well, what did she get? You really like to know? Faye, watch your tongue. I assure you I would. I'd like to know very much. Well, I'll start with me. I'm the oldest. Yeah. I'm the vulgarian of the family. Faith Martin, you mind what you say? Oh, go lay down, Grandma. You begin to understand, Mr. Packard. You see why I need help so badly? Go on, Faye. You're the vulgarian. Correct. Hope is the family wench. 
witness her evening escapade with the chauffeur. Say the family name. What family name? And Cherry, the little whispering mouse here, uh, she's just a plain dope, afraid of her own shadow. I see. That's the way you analyze the situation. That's us. Here we are. Look us over. What about Brother Job? We'll not discuss Job. He's a fine young man. The only one in the family who appreciates the name of Martin. Um, that's Grandma's version. Want to hear mine? Please. Brother Job is a good-natured drunk. Hey. Who's been taken by every jip game Hollywood can think of and is slowly breaking his grandmother's heart. If I may offer an opinion, I don't think you girls are doing your grandmother's heart any good either. Oh, well, she doesn't love us. As long as we don't get the name of Martin in the headlines, she doesn't mind us, but... She loves Job something awful. We all do. We all love Job. And he's in such danger. He and Hope are in terrible danger. Yes, you said that before tonight when I was bandaging up your arm. Bandaging her arm? Hello. You have got a bandage on, haven't you? What happened? Somebody slashed me as I was walking down the hall. What? It's true, it's true. You you mean somebody slashed you with a knife right here in this house? Honest, Faith. Honest, they did. Hey, Mr. Packard, do you suppose there really is somebody after her? There's evidence to indicate it. Look, Mouse, maybe I've been doing you an injustice. It's true enough. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's take that up later. We've got away from our subject. Oh, yes, which was Job, the family drunk. You say he's in danger, Cherry. What sort of danger? I don't believe there's any truth in it. Who'd want to harm Job? Besides, the child's been forewarning doom for members of the family for years. But he is in danger. He and Hope. What sort of danger? Danger out there, outside the house. But it's getting closer. It's getting closer all the time. It's creeping. It's creeping. Cherry, stop saying that. I think that's the expression I used before we came in here, wasn't it, Mrs. Martin? Yes, and I forbid its use again. Well, at least Cherry and I seem to have the same intuitive sense of impending danger. How nice for Cherry. Well, what do you mean? That you and she have something in common. I wonder if you couldn't find something in common with me, too. Such as? Well... I like my initials embroidered on my pajamas. I don't wear pajamas. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> then you'd have to have your initials tattooed on your chest, wouldn't you? Mr. Packard. Yes? I forbid you to indulge in conversation of this nature with my granddaughters. It seems to be the only language Faye understands. I forbid it. You know, Mrs. Martin, you seem to dominate everyone and everything except your grandchildren. Why is that? I can tell you why. She did dominate us when we were little and couldn't help ourselves. She made such hateful little prigs out of us. It was shameful. You were nice children. You bet. Nasty nice. And then one day, Job found out about fire water, and now he's devoting his life to it. And one day, I found out that there are some wonderfully disgusting words in the English language for self-expression. I'm devoting my life to them. And Hope discovered chauffeurs, and she's devoting her life in that direction. And what about Cherry here? Oh, poor little mouse. She hasn't discovered much of anything yet, so she's devoting her life to being afraid. I am not. I'm not afraid. If they weren't always after me, I wouldn't ever be afraid. They have been after her for a long time. But uh, now if they've come to life and are starting to cut her up, it may be getting serious. Yes, I'm beginning to wonder. 
By the way, are any of you girls married? Married? I should say not. Is Job? Certainly, Job's not married. Then who's the parents of the baby we heard crying earlier? Baby crying? You heard a baby crying? Certainly. Just before Cherry here fell downstairs. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? It's impossible. What are you talking about? There's not a baby in the house. There hasn't been for years. But I've heard it. I've heard it. So she says. Yes. And every time it cries, something horrible happens. transcribed adventures of Jack, Doc, and Reggie will come to you tomorrow at this same hour. I Love a Mystery, written and directed by Carlton E. Morse, comes to you Monday through Friday, featuring Russell Thorson as Jack, Jim Bowles as Doc Long, and Tony Randall as Reggie York. Frank McCarthy speaking. System presents I Love a Mystery. Transcribed. telling you, the more I see of this setup, the more I wish we'd gone on about our own business. Doc, that isn't like you. What ain't like me? Why, here we are guests in a millionaire's home with three beautiful girls and only their grandmother to watch over them. And what a grandma. Boy, I don't like her. (laughs) Doc's had it in for Grandma Martin since she sent us back up here to our quarters right after dinner. Yeah, what'd she do that for? She think you're the only one in our outfit good enough to associate with the Martin family? I can tell you why. Well, I wish you would. She said she wanted me to have a serious discussion with her granddaughters, and if there were too many eligible young men in the room, the girls wouldn't think of anything else. Did she really say that, Jack? She did. And when I said man crazy, she jumped all over me. Well, these just plain ain't the kind of girls that I want to associate with. Not from what I've seen of them. She ain't got nothing to worry from me. Well, they have money. And so have we. 25000 bucks reward money. And what I want to know is why we don't ditch this joint and get to spending it. That'll have to wait. Yeah, on what? On the solution of the trouble that's breaking about this old grandmother's head. Well, that ain't our hard luck. I'm afraid it is. Now. Why? Because Mrs. Martin's begged us to stay and help her out. I say, that haughty, stiff-necked female aristocrat begged you to stay here? That's right. So you can see how desperate she must be. But what's the matter? What are we supposed to do? None of it makes much sense yet. I've got some tangled information. You want to hear it? Naturally. 
Throw me that other pillow, Reggie. I know. Thanks. Well, come on. Settle down and let's have it. All right. Let me give you a picture of the people in this house. Oh, you've seen them all now. No, I've only seen Grandmother Martin and two of the girls, Faye and Cherry. Faye described the others. First, Faye, or Faith, is the eldest. She describes herself as the vulgarian of the family. Oh, I see. The what? Vulgarian. She shocks her Puritan grandmother every time she opens her lips. On the other hand, I have a good idea that she has more gray matter than all the rest of the family put together. Good-looking? Yes, apparently all the Martin girls are extraordinarily beautiful. Well, that's Faye, the Bulgarian. The next girl is Hope. Hope wasn't in on the conference tonight, although she'd been told to be there by her grandmother. Yeah, where was she? Sneaked out with the chauffeur. Hey, I say, one of the Martin girls? Yes, according to Faye, this will be the fourth chauffeur to lose his job in three months on account of Hope. Faye's name for Hope is the family wench. Well, no wonder Grandmother Martin is upset. Faye the Bulgarian, Hope the family wench. And now we come to Cherry. Quite. And uh, what is Cherry? Well, Faye calls her Cherry the Terrified Mouse. Hey, that ain't so bad. She ain't spoke above a whisper since we come into the house. Uh, are they still after her? Well, there's no doubt that she has an obsession that someone's after her. But it looks like with good reason. But you, you, uh, you mean you think somebody in this house really is trying to kill her? Well, I don't know whether they're trying to kill her, but they certainly are keeping her in a continual sweat of terror. In what way, Jack? First, slashing her arm. Second, pushing her down that flight of stairs. Oh, Grandma didn't take that very serious. And neither did Faye at first. When she heard it, she said, Oh, so the terrified mouse fell downstairs again. Again? Yes, looks like it was a common occurrence. But then I put in my two cents worth and scared the living daylights out of both Faye and Grandma. Well, what'd you want to scare them for? I didn't mean to. It wasn't until after I'd said it and saw their reaction that I knew it meant anything. Well, come on. Uh, what did you say? I said I heard a baby crying just before Cherry fell downstairs. Who does it belong to? Well, what's so terrifying about that? Whose infant is it, Jack? And uh, where's the nursery? There isn't any nursery. And there isn't any baby. Why, Dad busted, Jack, there is too. We heard it. There isn't any baby in this house. You, you're being serious? I, I mean to say, we did hear it. Well, Cherry's been hearing it for some time now. She says every time the baby cries, something terrifying happens. You mean a baby's haunting this house? I don't mean anything of the kind. Then what do you mean? I don't know. I'm just stating what I've heard. Cherry's been complaining of hearing a baby crying in the house and that every time she hears it, something vicious happens. The rest of the family have bladed to delusions. Oh, but see here, Jack, what we heard was no delusion. That's just the point. That's what frightened Faye and Grandma. The fact that we heard the baby proves that Cherry hasn't been talking through her hat. Doggone. Whoever heard of a house being haunted by a baby? Rubbish. Well, there it is, ain't it? A baby's voice and no baby. It's a plot. A plot, huh? Well, didn't Jack just get through saying that the kid cried just before something bad happened? Mm, that's what that girl Cherry says. And what she says is true on account, looky. We heard the baby cry, and then right after that, she was pushed downstairs. Quiet, I grant you that. Well, okay. Y you mean to tell me whoever's doing all this is running around this house with a baby in his arms, or pinching it to make it cry just before he gets ready to, to do some of his dirty work? Well, that's pretty silly, though. Well, of course it's silly. That's just what I'm saying. Besides, there ain't no baby in the house. So what? So it's got to be a baby ghost. Oh, for the love of Peter. Well, it has, Dad, blasted. A baby ghost in this house on account of there's so much trouble and so many things is wrong. And every time that something else starts to go wrong, it, it it tries to warn folks by crying just before it happens. Beautiful theory. Well, you think of a better one. Why? Okay, okay. The trouble with you and Reggie is that you wouldn't know a ghost if it come up and... And, and laid and... an egg in my hat? <laughs> That's just plain vulgar. Why? Because ghosts don't lay eggs. Oh. Well, they don't. Oh, I don't right. 
And do you want to hear the rest of my story? Well, what about this baby cry? That's all there is. You know as much about it as I do. And that also brings us up to date on Cherry. Oh, Cherry, the uh, terrified mouse. Hope, the family wench. And Faye, the Bulgarian. And the last on our list is Joel. Mm. Oh, that's brother, huh? Yes, in age, he comes between Faye and Hope. According to Faye, he's the one who's breaking Grandmother Martin's heart. Mm. And uh, has Faye a name for him, too? Yes, Joel, the good-natured drunk. Drunk, huh? And what does Grandmother Martin say about that? She tried to keep his name out of the conversation. Said he was the only one worthy of the family name. Faye, on the other hand, says he's never sober and has been taken by every crook and confidence man in Hollywood. Just a never-ending easy mark, huh? Looks like it. And Grandma's always paying out and covering up for him. For the good of the name of Martin. When are we going to meet him? I don't know. When he comes home, I suppose. Where is he now? I tried to find out. No one seemed to know. Faye suggested some night spot with a well-stocked bar. I say, nice boy. Ah, company. Sit still. Listen. What's the matter, Jack? Nothing. Just wait. I say, whimsy. I get it. Hello. Why, you little wench. Oh, you've been talking to Faye. Reggie, toss me a blanket. What's that? A blanket, a blanket. <laughs> Not a wet blanket, I hope. No, just toss it. There, I'll put this around you. You don't like me this way. No. They cost a lot of money at the best shops. Okay, so they cost a lot of money. Now, come on in. Why didn't you like them? Handmade and imported French lace? Now, keep that blanket around your shoulder. Here, sit down. What's it, Andy? <laughs> I almost sat on the floor. Drunk again. Don't tell Grandma. I never had a drink in my life. Oh, it's queer. No smell of liquor on her breath. She's as sober as we are. I say, Jack, who is this? Who am I? Yes. No, no, wait. I'll give you a clue. I'm not... Faith, and I'm not Charity. Now, who am I? You're Hope. That's right. Why'd you knock on our door if you don't know who we are? I saw a light. Thought I ought to investigate. In long black stockings and a wisp of lace? Imported French lace. Where have you been? <laughs> no, no, no. Mustn't tell. Scandalous. Ruined the family name. Out with the chauffeur, weren't you? Shh, don't let Grandma hear. Come on, now you're not drunk. Where's your dress? <laughs> I said, where's your dress? What dress? Look here, Hope. You want me to shake your shoes off? Where did you leave your dress? You didn't want me to wear a dress with blood on it, did you? Hey, what did you say? Of course not. Nobody wants to wear a dress with blood on it. It's ugly. doesn't match the color scheme. Hope, listen to me. What kind of a dress were you wearing? Slip-on, slip-off dress. I always wear slip-on, slip-off dress. I mean, what was the material? What color? Green. My favorite color. Green flowers. Now then, where'd you leave it? <laughs> Slipped out of it in the dark downstairs. Tossed it to Bob. Bob's a good egg. He'll get rid of it. Nobody ever find it. Who's Bob? Best chauffeur Martin family ever had. Is he home? Did he bring you home? Yep. Bang, bang. Man shot dead right across our table. I got blood on my dress, so Bob says, Quick, let's get the ten-letter word out of here. <laughs> I always say ten-letter word for swearing. Doc, Reggie, I want you to go down and find the chauffeur. I don't. Bring him here? If you'll come. Anyway, get Hope's dress back. Oh, Jack. Yeah? Look, look at her right leg. Mm -hmm. There's something on her stocking. Looks like blood, all right. There is. Here, keep that blanket on. <laughs> Unfasten your stocking. Let her slip down. Oh, naughty. Crazy little fool. There's been murder. Do you want the evidence splattered all over you? Yeah, that's better. 
Well, what are you two standing there for? Well, if, if Hope could tell us where the chauffeur's quarters are. Chauffeur's quarters? Over garage. Chauffeur's quarters always over garage. I know. Come on, Doc. Yeah, okay. Hey, hey, what's that? Listen. The baby. The baby. The baby. <laughs> Jack, there's just got to be a baby in this house. <laughs> Jack, I say. Which way did that scream come from? Down the stairs. Down the stairs. Well, come on. The baby, and, and then something happens. Down the stairs, this way. The baby, and then something happens. The baby starts and then seeing that dust. Oh, there she is. There in the chair. I say, who is she? This is Faye. <laughs> Faye. Faye, what's the matter? Uh, up, up there by the hall entrance. He's dead. He's dead. Dead? Who's dead? The chauffeur. The chauffeur. And he's got Hope's dress. All over with blood. transcribed adventures of Jack, Doc, and Reggie will come to you tomorrow at this same hour. I Love a Mystery, written and directed by Carlton E. Morse, comes to you Monday through Friday, featuring Russell Thorson as Jack, Jim Bowles as Doc Long, and Tony Randall as Reggie York. Frank McCarthy speaking. All right. More mayhem in the Martin household. The two episodes you just heard were November 2nd and November 3rd, 1949. We will be back next week with the next two chapters of The Thing That Cried in the Night. Until then, this is John Tifteller saying thanks for listening to the Good Old Days Radio Show, and see you then. (laughs) 